Ladies and gentlemen, Comedy Roundtable. Coming up on this episode. Did he try and get you to do it when you were a kid and then shoot a deer and then cover your face in its blood and you were crying and you were like, this isn't for me? I think Biden would have to have a club. Right. Or, a, or some kind of knife or something. You're happy to hunt by the side of a road or in a parking lot. Yeah, I guess. I guess I would be. You just yeah. don't want to do any cardio. Yeah, I just, I, yeah. I, as you can see by my size, I avoid cardio at all costs. Yeah. We have saved a chair for you, our listener, and we've also saved a chair here at the Roundtable for our guest this evening, Milo McCabe. Normally, we are recording at the Punchline Comedy Club in Atlanta, Georgia, but we are doing this off-site in our regular studio because our guest is joining us today from a different time zone. Welcome to the show, Milo. Thank you for having me, Jamie, number one. <laughs> That's All a right, good I want to jump in right there and argue for the number one spot. Yeah. I don't know how I ended up number two. It's simply by the timing of the voice. He's timing giving Jamie voice. because he was the first to speak. I was introduced first. All right. right. Appreciate you joining us today. How things been going? Pretty well? Yeah, good. Busy. Hectic. No complaints that anyone wants to hear. Just just complaints about being busy and tired and all that nonsense. Yeah. Everything else. You're touring yeah. all around the UK right now. I'm touring around the UK. I'm about to go to Australia for two months, um, and I'm bringing my family with me. So we got oh, the girls, we've got two daughters, nine and six, and we got them off school because we argued uh, fairly accurately. I think that it would be a formative experience for those two to to go around. Oh and yeah, the, the schools, the schools were like, yeah, sound great, bring them. So we're all going to go on a family holiday for two months. Well, for holiday for them, there's work for me because I'm yeah. doing like all the comedy festivals. But yeah, oh, that's nothing terrific. to complain about. All right. So our format here on Comedy Roundtable is we ask lightning round style questions. Oh, shit. Really? Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. It's going to be on, right then. up your alley, Milo. Don't you worry. Okay. All right. We are. I will tell you all three of the topics. You only choose right. them one at a time. One of okay. them does not get used. All right. Okay. All, all right. right. Your choices for this episode are mystery box, mm-hmm. fight or flight. Or mm-hmm. out of ink. I'm going to go fight or flight. Fight or flight. Our excellent choice, starting with Adam. So we've had discussions on uh, on earlier podcasts about what would be the best skill to have in an apocalypse, right? The best, would it be to be an arms guy? Would it be to be a, you know, the guy who can farm, the guy who, and we've come to the agreement that being charming would be an yeah, incredibly I, good skill yeah, to have in the As apocalypse. you were saying that, like the word Machiavellian popped in my head. Right. It, 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 you don't have to do anything. You just have to be able to convince people to give you their shit, basically. Right. At that point, because as every apocalypse series will show, nobody trusts each other. So you just got to jump over that hurdle and then you can become whatever you need to be. To you satisfy. have a character, though, uh, Troy Hawk, who yeah. is a very charming individual, but every yeah. once in a while comes up against people that are asking him to leave or asking him, yeah. you know, kind of get into an argument with you. Why does charming not work in all situations? So what you're referring to is when I do the videos and I sh- uh, basically I- I'm-, I'm able to deploy my charm to passersby and it's fine. I can give them a compliment. They always take it. I haven't yeah. been hit by anyone. The <laughs> managers come out yeah. and I represent a set of variables that they haven't encountered before. So that immediately puts them on the back foot. And they immediately 
it's a kind of an inherent xenophobia. I don't understand what this is, so therefore it must be a threat and I have to remove it immediately. The only time it hasn't happened was in Denmark when a shop manager came out and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm greeting people. And he said, okay, show, you know, nobody's getting hurt and it's fine. And it's the only st- store manager that's, that, that's applied logic. They, so- they come out, they don't know what's going on. They, they just go straight. This is a threat that has to be removed instantly. So is the apocalypse is happening. Is the first thing you do to go get the smoking jacket get into character here's here's the thing i am the worst liar ever like i'm very good you see that like the traitors show or like werewolf or mafia whatever i am a great villager i'm a great innocent (laughs) I, i can't lie for shit so i if i were basically my transferable skills what are they i mean i'd have to approach a community and i'd have to say look i don't know what this is worth but I could cons- I've got a tight comedy hour where where <laughs> everything kind of fits and ties in, and I can just stand on that bench and do it in front of all of you starving, angry people. So you're going to be the court jester. Yeah. Hopefully, you give me some bread. Yeah, that'd be basically. perfect. I think they're going to say, you know, we're full of prepper assholes in here, and we actually yeah. need somebody that we would like to spend time with. Right now, so you said that you are a terrible liar. But so does that worst. mean that in all of your videos, every compliment you make, you believe true to the core? Oh, I'm, I mean it. I mean it. I'll like what I'll do when I'm being Troy. I'll try and put a hundred percent of my attention onto whoever happens to be coming up whoever i'm locked in on and i'll look at everything and i'll just try and put everything on them it's actually quite tiring and then i'll try and sort of pull something out of what i'm seeing and throw it back at them right see because that would be important for people because if i have a comedian give me a compliment my first thing i'm thinking is are they mocking me right now sarcasm right here's here's the thing jamie a stroke two stroke b (laughs) nobody knows i'm a comedian even the people that come to my live shows the vast majority of them do not know that i'm a comedian they just think i'm the greeter guy they don't know i've got like 15 years of comedy experience under my belt which which in a way is a good thing because the bar at my tour show they come in and if i literally greeted these people for an hour i think they'd be like well yeah what do we expect right. you know <laughs> do you greet people at the I, door for your shows I, I i sometimes but some of the venues are getting too big now and i, right. I can't do it all right jamie fight or flight tell us about a time in your life when your fight or flight response got it terribly wrong oh god loads so i remember um i was a university and i was at university in the 90s and it was lad culture so everybody really prized themselves on if not being tough presenting a kind of a laddie toughness uh for example and we were walking back and i went to university in liverpool and some lads started like it was a group of us about three or four some lads started shouting at us there was a bit of anti-student feeling at the time and i think i shouted something funny back this guy sort of stepped across the road to come at me and i just i just fucking dusted i was (laughs) i was heels and smoke 
And you think, oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough, but not in the culture I was at university because then you get a name for yourself and you're that guy that Cut ran down. away. And these guys didn't do anything. They came up and they sort of fronted up to my friends and my friends fronted up back to them and nothing was ever going to happen. But in my mind, all those alarm bells went off and I was like, eh, 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 eh. and I just dusted. I just <laughs> Absolutely got out of there, and, and my name was Mud at uni. Yeah, but you did make the track and field team, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and 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 that's why I I I started going to boxing because I was like, I can't can't have this happen again. Yeah, I just I, I, I can't. It's it's just a pathetic male ego thing. I do think though that in any good fight, the cut and runner is an important position. Like I wish I had a guy like you again. Can you take our stuff? And go on. <laughs> we'll meet you back at the house, and then we yeah. will we'll stay here. But we'd like to know that our phones and our keys are and our wallets are all taken care of. Yeah. I remember another time where it happened. Uh, I, I I I was a bit drunk, so I was a bit braver, and I think I had all this suppressed rage from all of my previous running away from these type of things. <laughs> And I pretended that I was from Glasgow and there's something inherently terrifying about the Glaswegian accent. Now, the risky thing was that this guy was also Scottish. So Oof. it was a really high risk strategy, but I got away with it. He's like, um, I can't remember what he said to me. I think it, it was something about me being gay. And I was like, who are you calling gay? Paul? You calling me gay? Where are you fit? I'm being fit. And he went, oh, shit, sorry. I don't know you fit. Hey, hey, no bother, Paul. And I was just like, mm, I walked Whoa. away. Like, it was very high risk. But I was like, all right, that works. There we you go. Know. Just yeah. work the accent. <laughs> what would be the equivalent accent in the States that would make people go, oh, Detroit? Shit. Yeah, or in New York, like a Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, like right. a Brooklyn, yeah. a hard Brooklyn accent that just How does is the like, Detroit sound? We got a problem here, you stupid mook. We're going to we we're gonna throw down. This is what's going to happen. You and me, we're going to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So fight and flight is the famous phrase, but the yeah. other famous fighter pairing is love. Yeah. I'm a lover or a fighter. So mm. this is kind of a two-part question. The first right. is, does it mean that all lovers are flighters? No, because fight or flight is like a, an innate lizard response. It's like a lizard brain thing. It's just what lover or fighter is a choice. Yeah. Okay. When with lover, you may be uh -huh. disrobed. So lovers right. might be naked. Uh, suppose for the sake of argument that fighters were naked. Yeah. Would you fight an aroused fighter? Am I Jamie number one for you now? Yeah. I think <laughs> let's go back to Jamie oh, number yeah. one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I was absolutely. just saying, I think in a fight or flight response, I would run from the guy who wanted to have a fight and was aroused while doing it. That, that was such a tenuous segue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have a B question. Let's go to I the B, B question. question. I have a B question. No, 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 no. Let's stay yeah, with play it out. whatever strands of logic were there. <laughs> would I fight someone who was aroused? It well, when somebody says I'm a lover or a fighter, right? It implies yeah. that you're one or the only. What I'm saying love is you love fighting. I would it's want to avoid the person because I think evolutionarily it describes you can either be only one or the other. You can love right. or you can fight, right? And that your body isn't built to do both at the same time. Is your thinking always this black and white? It oh, it's it it's always this yeah, gray. I think it actually may that's end the fight not because you want to avoid it, but because that's a form of flattery. And then you realize that maybe you, you aren't as no. I would think much I was, enemies I as was you thought. about to engage with an anomaly of evolution. 
Yes, that this the person, guy who loved fighting. No, no, the fact that was able to do both at the same time because normally people don't think like, oh, I'm about to be in a fist fight. This is kind yeah. of turning me on. <laughs> All right, let me let me try and pull something out. Of this yes, the one thing I will say <laughs> is that I don't know if you you know, but as soon as you had a fight with someone at primary school, the only way you could go, you ended up best friends with them. Right. I don't remember this because you've seen each other at your most primal. So it's almost like you've got nowhere else to go but be friends. You you can't really have pretense or small talk when you've been rolling around on the floor with someone trying to, you know, s- scratch their eyes out or whatever. If we're talking about evolutionary an- anomalies. And also, as soon as you fought with your partner, when you make up, it's just like, ah, it's the best. But, yeah, but the, the activities are separated. That's what I'm saying is the activities aren't existing in the same space. The fight space is distinct from the love space. You think? Because I think you fight harder with the people that you love. I think your family and your closest people have access to that big red button. They know exactly the right thing to set you off, turn you into the worst version of yourself. (laughs) I've always thought that like in a bar fight, one of the scariest things would be if the person kind of leaned in and said, I'm so going to love this. Right. Like, yeah, that, that would be like going all in. Like, yeah. like that would be, if that were a bluff, that would be a tremendous bluff. Yeah. To, to lean like, in and Ooh. be like, I'm going to love this. I, I enjoy this so <laughs> this, much. This is my thing. Oh, thank, thank God you for you, this. Yeah, yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm trying to salvage. Oh boy. So, <laughs> so in a pairing, right. Opposites attract. But yeah, in yeah. a relationship, lovers and fighters seem like a poor match. Okay. Well, my, my thoughts on that is like when you're in a relationship, you've got you've got to fight, uh, argue because you gotta you gotta like work out where each other's boundaries are. And if you've got someone who's running away from every situation or conflict, they're they're never gonna set their boundaries and they might not have an argument, but then five years later they just split up because of the yeah. lack of you know, authentic communication. Right. So like when I got together with my wife, she'd never had an argument with a boyfriend and I'm very sort of, you know, let's get this out on the table and process it. So it was a bit jarring for her at first, but now we're at the point where we, we will have like a, an argument, heated discussion, but at the end of it, we'll kind of resolve what the issue was or we'll, we'll, we'll get to the number of it. So you have to have those arguments, is my opinion. Let's lock out this first segment here on the Comedy Roundtable with our guest, Milo McCabe. We'll be back with more right after this. Do we have any teachers here? <laughs> All right, over there, you. You get imposter syndrome at work, don't you? Of course you do. You're a teacher. Good Lord, every day you have to go in mindful of the fact that one wrong word, one wrong foot, you could say something to one of those gentle, malleable minds that could psychologically damage them for the rest of their life. (laughs) Not only damage them, damage their sense of self, damage all of their future relationships. Just one tiny thing you could say to spiral them off into a psychic vortex of negativity. (laughs) You have to be on point every day, and I imagine the worry about that keeps you awake some nights. Would that be accurate? The reason that you have imposter syndrome is because you're good at your job. Do you understand that? The fact that you're analysing and questioning yourself makes you good at what you do. Do you know who was not good at their jobs? People who leave work every day going, oh, smash the granny out of that one. (laughs) Not good at their jobs. But they do end up running the country. (laughs) 
You've got a trolley. Can I direct it this way into Prisma? I know our symbols are triangles, but I can assure you we have nothing to do with the Illuminati. All right. Hello there. Fun shopping or functional shopping? Yes! Score! I love you harder. Are you coming into Prisma? Oh, wonderful. Not put off by the triangles. Good for you. Can I? Are you coming in? Fabulous. You have a wonderful color scheme. Sir, you are the finished Larry David, and we are delighted to have you in this store. Sorry? Not many people can pull off double denim, but you are smashing it. You're the Marlborough man after he's given up. I love it. I told you you had a wonderful color scheme. So does he, and you both match each other. What a... Yeah, that's of course! I hope you have a lovely day. Oh, thank you very much. I was in my head, so you got me out of my head by complimenting me. Oh, that's wonderful. Sometimes, yes, us overthinkers with our washing machine brains, welcome to uh, Prasma. We, we sometimes need a moment to remind ourselves of the, the rewards of being in the present. Welcome to Prisma, sir. Grab your trolley, get in there and smash it. Yeah, of course. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've seen you somewhere. I think so. You, you might be on it. All right. Second segment here of the Comedy Roundtable. Our guest this episode is Milo McCabe. We had hey. a segment that I wanted to take flight from, from the <laughs> uh, awkwardness of <laughs> question. question. <laughs> and uh, Which one of the seven questions were you yeah. wanting to flight? Yeah, it was all, <laughs> I, was, I was fighting my way out until I decided it was time to take flight. Stop okay. digging. All right. Uh, your remaining topics for this episode are either mystery box or mm. out of ink. Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, out of ink is, is essentially a mystery box anyway, due to uh, the vapor. So I'm just going to go for mystery box. Mystery box, starting with Adam. Okay. So my mystery box is, is who do you think would win in a fight? And I'm taking your prime minister, Sanuk, and, and Joe Biden. Who wins in that fight? Oh, oh Sinak. Joe Biden's old as fuck. Like, yeah. how would... Yeah. I, I, unless there, there's... there's I'm, I mean, I feel like with Biden versus Sunak, there'd have to be sort of conditional elements to sort of even it up a little bit. Like, I think Biden would have to have a club. Right. Or, a, or some kind of knife or something. Like, come on, how old is Biden? Oh, he's a million. Like, he's got to be yeah, a, yeah, a million exactly. years old. Yeah. Rishi Sunak, he's... I don't know. I wouldn't... He wouldn't automatically look like he's got fighting experience, but he definitely looks like the type he's of a dude. young man and he's got he's the fitness. Four times what what week, if Joe Biden exactly. leans in and says, I am so going to enjoy this? <laughs> he, yeah, Joe um, Biden leans into so Sunak and says, Thank you. And Sunak's like, so I'm still going to kill Wait, you, man. What? I'm still going to yeah. beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think that. You see, if you hear, if you're about to have a fight with a dude in his 80s and you hear, I'm so going to enjoy this, you start thinking you're part of some assisted suicide thing. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, this, this guy is, this guy wants it the end now. And he's using me as his tool. Yeah. Pair of them naked, hard ons, like, <laughs> right. you know. Staring at each other. Staring yeah, at each I think Sunuk kills yeah. him. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring back a logical link to your question. I, I appreciate that, Milo. Thank you. Did geopolitics come into that fight? It, it did. And, and, and I want to just get a little side note in here that I, I went to college in Washington, D.C. And in Washington, D.C., one of the worst places to park in the entire world. And you could always find parking at the Tibetan embassy. Because the Buddhists would never do anything. Like you could always park in their reserve spots and the Buddhists would just let it roll. Isn't that a bad use of your karma though? It probably is. And I'm probably still paying for that. 
Nah. I don't want to contribute to your anxiety, but knowing your life story, you probably haven't paid for that yet. Like it's coming. <laughs> like I think it's it's, uh, it's. You'd be amazed at how difficult it is spending time with you. <laughs> oh. 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 All right, Ouch. Jamie, mystery box. All right, if you were to open up the Greeters Guild membership yeah. to yeah. other members of the animal kingdom, yeah. which animal do you think would make the best greeter? Oh, thousand percent a quacker. A quacker? A quacker. Q U O double K A. So quackers are these uh animals in Australia. Um I think them I I met I met some in Perth, right? I don't know if they're just Perth, but they're in Australia. So these quackers, I don't quite even know what they are. They're like these kind of gerbil things. And they run around this island, right? Uh called uh uh Rotness, I think it's called. And as soon as they see you, these quackers, they just think you're a big quacker. Like they just run up to you. They'll eat out of your hand. You can pet them. You can stroke them. They're friendly as hell. I think they're only in Australia though. I, I as far as I'm aware, but look them up. Cause these are the most adorable, innately friendly animals ever. Which is weird because their name sounds like an insult. Quacker. You're yeah. a quacker. Yeah, yeah, it does actually. It does, but it's a very on the nose answer. But yeah, what is going on with Australia? Like that, they have an animal that is actually evolutionary so messed up that it comes towards the thing it probably should fear most a quacker. They're they're still about, so like people people haven't gotten rid of the quackers, yeah. So, so like people are just like, these guys are cool, so they're like, oh, well, people are cool too, so everyone's just hanging out. Not to go full circle here, but charming, the quacker's charming. And it, that's how they survive, right? Exactly. They survive on yeah. their charm. 100%. Yep. All right. I do have a follow-up question. You're interviewing new members for the Greeters Guild. What is one is animal question? or human? Human. Human. All right. Excellent question. Yeah. That was a good clarification. Yeah. 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 What is one question you must <laughs> ask in each interview to vet out charlatans? Is it possible to be a lover and a fighter at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the real question. That that's is. a good point. Yeah, God, the callbacks are amazing. It is. I know. <laughs> the question. The question would be, I guess, is I would say, I mean, what's the question to vet them out? I I just put them right on the spot and I'd go, right, compliment me now. Go, oh, boom. And I because because like when I'm doing this thing, I have to react and sort right. of be very quick. So like, I'd see how they got on with that. Basically. Greeters always have one ready to go. Yeah. The good but ones. But greeters, uh, I actually went to New York and I actually met some, because we don't have greeters here really in the UK, but that's why I'm such an anomaly. But but like when I I went to New York, I think I went to a CVS and there was a greeter. Um, and there was a couple of different ones. I went to the same CVS and I don't know, there wasn't like a high level of enthusiasm or excitement at my presence in the store. I have to be honest. No, there's definitely well, not. Your level of greeting is, you, it could still take a lot from the guild. Yeah, like greet is that I've seen, they technically greet. It's like <laughs> the bare minimum of human interaction to like fulfill the, the job. They say, hey, how are you doing? Dead eyes. All right. Mystery box. It is a trend slash fad that you can sign up for a service that will send you a mystery box. It's a, it's a clothing service. You get a mystery yeah. box of clothes or a mystery yeah. box of something. 
Is there a business or product for which you would never subscribe to their monthly mystery box? Probably the conservative government. (laughs) Yeah, probably like the Tories. Like I would hate to see uh, what you'd get in a Tory mystery box. Perhaps their mystery box would be empty and then you would have to put things in it to send back. 100%. Get the the idea of that conservative box. Yeah, that would be interesting. In the United States, it would be a gun, a Bible, a flag would be what they would give you. Yeah, you'd give you every year. Is this last month's box? Yeah, they'd throw that to you every month and just saying, you got to have more guns, you got to have more Bibles, and you got to have more flags. I I, I don't have any issues with people who have guns or or, or having guns. I, I grew up in a house with lots of guns but they were all hunting rifles right like my, my father was a hunter i don't hunt i don't really think that somebody's going to break did into you, my did house did he try and get you to do it when you were a kid and then shoot a deer and then cover your face in its blood and you were crying and you're like this isn't for me i wish it yeah. was that good a story <laughs> like i wish it was that good a story it was more about the fact that the idea of, of walking into the woods for a long time taking down a buck and then yeah. dragging that animal all yeah. the way back seemed absolutely miserable to me. Like the I like right. so with you, it's more logical than emotional. Then. Yeah, I think so. You're happy to hunt by the side of a road or in a parking lot. Yeah, I guess. I guess I would be. You just yeah. don't want to do any cardio. Yeah, I just, I, yeah. I, as you can see by my size, I avoid cardio at all costs. Yeah. Is it possible that we could reschedule this episode at the time it was originally scheduled for, and I can be late? Yeah, we'll just do it I again. Feel like <laughs> some, of my, some, of my some of your material's been a little off today, but that's okay. When this ultimately airs, Milo, if it turns out, I thought there were three people. Yeah, on there's the only show. two people. <laughs> when we had to be eliminated out of this episode completely. All right. So uh, online, people should follow you to purchase tickets to your live shows or uh, see your other yeah, content. Where? Please. Absolutely. So I am uh, Troy Hawk on all like platforms, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of that. And then I'm, I'm touring the UK, Australia, and then I'm in New York again in uh, October for a couple of weeks. I'm at the Soho Playhouse in New York for a couple of weeks. So yeah. uh, Where do yeah. you, you got gigs in the city? Well, basically, I, I did a, a little fringe that they do. They do this thing called Fringe Encore Series, yep. and they have like 20 shows that the guys pick from around the world. And and I was lucky enough to like get best show. So the prize for that was you get an extended run. So that's what uh, we're Excellent. doing in October. But yeah, it's a lovely, lovely venue. It's like an off, off-Broadway venue. Oh, that's uh, terrific. Really, I'm looking forward to that. All yeah. right, we'll check that out. I am going to excuse myself from this episode. I think everyone else is as well. Push back your chairs. Uh, we are going to push back our chairs, and we will see you next time at the Comedy Roundtable. For Jamie, Jamie, and Adam, come and visit us at the Punchline Comedy Club in Atlanta, Georgia, or see our comedians live on a stage near you. See you next time. <laughs>